The wealth tech revolution is now. Wealthstack provides bolder technology strategies and powers a new generation of growth-oriented advisors. Join us in Florida, May 21st to the 24th, and get 20% off now with our discount code WEALTH20. That's WEALTH20, W-E-A-L-T-H-2-0. And be sure to search Wellstack to find out more. Welcome to the Wellstack Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Rossick, the Director of Wellstack Content and Solutions. In this episode, I'm joined by Rob Rokeet, founder and CEO of ECIO, which is powered by Evestech, a virtual communication hub for financial professionals. In this episode's topic, we'll be diving into research around the four major post-pandemic trends that top advisory firms are racing to address in this new virtual world. Rob, really thrilled to be chatting with you today. Yeah, great to be here. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me, Shannon. Of course. And so before we get into the meat of the conversation, could you just give our listeners a quick background, not only on you, but your journey in this space and how ECIO and Evestec all ultimately came to be? Yeah, happy to. So it's 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 been a long journey. Started back, and I'll throw out a name that maybe you've heard of. Uh, right out of school, I joined uh, Payne Weber, which is now part of UBS. Um, in their broker uh, training program. And that was actually in Denver, Colorado, where I think maybe you are today. Sure I am. <laughs> yeah, love Denver. But I started my career there, developed uh, an interest in kind of the more analytical end of it. So the stock uh, picking and stock analysis. So I ended up going back to business school, got my MBA, picked up the CFA designation and transitioned over to the money management world, eventually heading up a small cap portfolio management team. And sometime after the financial crisis, the firm I was with was, was bought out uh, by PNC Bank. I was offered a position to head up institutional client service for another money management organization. And it was during that, uh, during that role, I had the opportunity to launch a new product, uh, which we called Outsourced Chief Investment Officer, or OCIO. And that was a service that we targeted um, larger institutional investors. Typically, they had $20 million or more in investable assets. And over uh, about a five-year period of time, we built that to a billion dollars in assets, um, mostly serving nonprofit organizations. Again, larger, $20 million or more in assets. And as we built that business, we had a lot of smaller nonprofits come to us looking for help. Um, we weren't able to help them because we had a very traditional client service model, which meant we jumped on a plane to sit down and meet with those investment committees. And so that was a costly model. Um, so smaller asset pools didn't generate the revenue. We couldn't serve them. And so it was something that was always in the back of my mind, thinking about these smaller organizations and how we could potentially help them. And of course, the answer was technology. So in 2018... A good friend of mine introduced me to uh, one of the co-founders now of ECIO and our CTO, Clark Wong. And Clark and I actually met up uh, at the Sky Club in the uh, airport in Del uh, Atlanta at the Delta Sky Club. And I kind of sketched out my vision. He talked about the technology. We kept the conversation going over many months and eventually decided to launch the business, um, which we did in late uh, 2019. 
And that was a right about the time, if you recall, of course, we can't forget the pandemic hit, you know, a few months later. And so we realized the technology we built to basically deliver investment services virtually might be of interest to others. And so that's that's when we launched the Avestech brand. So kind of a long-winded answer to your question, but that's how I started the business and how I got to where I'm at right now. Don't all the best businesses start in airport lounges, right? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> well, you certainly seem credible, but you know, jokes aside, I do want to dive into our first segment, which is stats all folks. So Rob, you know what's coming. I'm going to throw out some stats to you that we're going to ruminate on, but I do want to talk to you about 88%. According to a study by YCharts, 88% of respondents replied yes to when choosing an advisor. Uh, frequency and communication style are a deciding factor ultimately when choosing who to work with. What's driving that trend? Yeah, well, I think clients want who choose to work with a financial advisor choose to work with them because they want some help and some guidance. And a big part of that is, is the communication piece. And if they didn't want that, I think they would go robo or they would, you know, do it yourself uh, through through Vanguard. Um, so I I think the communication style and frequency is hugely important. I know that same study from YCharts uh, that you mentioned also also surveyed clients on frequency that they're hearing from their advisors, and over sixty percent of the clients said. They hear from the advisor infrequently or very infrequently, and only 4% said they hear from the advisor frequently. So I think there's a kind of a big disconnect out there right now um, between what clients want and what clients are actually you know, getting from their financial advisor. And I think that to a certain degree is going to drive satisfaction and probably referrals from that those clients back, back to the advisor. So I think it's something that really needs to be addressed by a lot of financial advisory practices. Absolutely. And one of the major findings from your recent study around the four major post-pandemic trends uh, was that clients prefer digital or virtual interactions over in-person meetings. In fact, a staggering 85% of investors had that exact sentiment according uh, to a recent McKinsey study, so laddering right up to match what you, what your uh, report said. So how is Evestec helping firms adapt to this rapid change? And what are some of the features that are maybe offered to meet clients where they are? Yeah, well, I think that study is really kind of a landmark study. They That was done by McKinsey, and they surveyed over 6,000 wealth management clients, so really robust. Um, and I think if you, if you look at what happened during the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic, we've now just in general embraced um, virtual services. So if you think about, you know, groceries, everyone's going to the self-checkout. Um, restaurants, you know, I hit the Chipotle app, I don't know, once every couple of weeks and order what I want and zip in and, and pick it up. And even telemedicine in 2021, I think the stat was four out of 10 people had a telehealth visit. Um, and I, I've had a couple and they're terrific. I don't have to go sit in that waiting room with, you know, people hacking away and whatever <laughs> and driving down. Um, so, you know, if it works for telemedicine, it absolutely is going to extend to financial advisors and other professional services firms. So I think that's here to stay. I think it's it's a really 
cool thing uh, for customers to be able to access uh, financial advisors and other services virtually. And so Tech is really helping to pioneer the delivery of those investment services um, for uh, investment professionals. And, you know, specifically what the Investec platform offers is an all-in-one communication platform that, as opposed to, say, a client portal where the client has to come in to pull out information, there's a real two-way communication process happening, and everything is there. So there are documents, which might include custodial and tax statements, investment management agreements, portfolio reviews, that's all there. Their performance reporting, any portfolio analytics they might want to see or know about, um, some of their financial planning documents uh, are all uh, in that in that uh, platform. And importantly, uh, we also have the ability to message out on any one of those uh, items. Um, the, the other, a couple other things that are embedded in the platform uh, include uh, the ability to distribute commentary through video. So it's very easy for the advisor now to do a portfolio review uh, or send out market commentary to, to their clients. And that all occurs within that seamless uh, platform. And I would imagine, you know, especially with the adoption of video and video being so popular that the reception has been great, both in terms of advisors and their clients, because nobody wants to sit and read an 80 page market report or a performance report, right? That's exactly right. TLDR is a term. I don't know if you know that term. You probably do too long. Didn't read <laughs> TLDR. It's, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff out there. And I think the way people want to consume today has changed. Video is a big piece of it. And the other thing I'll say about video, and people may find this a little surprising, we push out our portfolio reviews through video. And an advisor can do a five to seven minute kind of recap of what happened to the client's portfolio um, and, and push it out. And the consumer client can consume it when they want, how they want, if they want. Um, but it saves the advisor a ton of time because if you think about doing that instead, either in person or even on the phone, to prepare for that meeting, that in-person meeting, you need to spend a fair amount of prep time because you don't know what questions are going to come to you. Whereas when you're just recapping portfolio performance, you can be very concise. You don't have to spend that prep time. So you can really push these out and be touching your clients in a really kind of personal way that's highly time effective for the advisor. So then it's fair to say that, you know, the highest client satisfaction is ultimately coming from marrying the the digital and human side of things. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Bain did a, a study um, looking at that exact issue and they um, looked at, Bain created the net promoter score, which a lot of companies now use. And they, they looked at the net promoter score for uh, a pure digital approach. So like a robo. Um, a pure human approach, so kind of the in-person traditional, and then the combination of digital and human. And by far, the highest net promoter scores came from firms that employed both the digital and the human piece. So I think that's the winning ticket. 
certainly seems like it. But I want to dive into a few other findings from your recent report. Obviously, profitability continues to be a challenge for advisors, especially as they scale and retain more clients. How are you seeing technology helping here? Yeah, so I think that's a biggie. I know Fidelity's benchmarking study that came out a year or so ago said that over 50% of the typical advisor's clients are not profitable. And if you think about that, the reason they're not profitable all has to do with client service. Most financial advisors have kind of a single client service model. And if you have $100,000 or a million dollars or $5 million, you're kind of getting the, the same service. Yet when you look at the advisor's practice, probably 70 to 80% of the revenue is coming from 20 to 30% of the clients. And so I think how technology can help with that is by allowing the advisor to segment their, their book of business and make sure that everyone is receiving a high level of touch through, through technology. So everyone's hearing from the advisor, but then you can segment out the more in-person uh, features to uh, your larger clients who you know, are generating more, more of the uh, practices revenue. So I think technology could play a huge part in this whole piece. And you mentioned client segmentation, and that's something I've been hearing a lot about as I've talked to firms over the last few months. And there still seems to be a bit of a challenge there. I mean, the advisors, obviously, are growth-minded, forward-thinking. They get it that they really need to dive in and understand their client base. But it seems like segmentation still seems to be a challenge for a lot of practices, no? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you've got advisors who have thought about it and have created maybe segments in their book, but then haven't really acted on it. They haven't changed their their behavior. And so I think that's the next step that you have to figure out these, how to kind of group those clients and what they need. And then you have to use technology to, to reach them all. So like video is a good example. When the markets are volatile, if you can push out um, a video to all your clients just talking about what's going on in the markets and uh, how they should be thinking about it. That's a way you can touch everyone and kind of back to that earlier point about frequency of touch. That's a way you can amp up the, the touch for all clients. And then your largest clients, of course, that's where you want more in person. And so that's where you're going to maybe pick up the phone or schedule a, you know, in-person meeting with that client. So I think that's, creating those buckets uh, and those that segmentation. And then the second part is you have to act on it. And I think technology has to play a key part in doing that successfully. And speaking of segmentation, let's talk about next-gen clients. Obviously, one of the big themes we're seeing is this looming great wealth transfer. So what are the challenges and opportunities advisors are facing with this trend? Because it's really no secret that next-gen clients are looking for a different kind of advice and relationship and clearly lean heavily on tech. Absolutely. I mean, any of us that have kids, teenage or college kids, we, we you know, these guys, they communicate differently. Um, they're, they're not typically picking up the phone they don't even use email that much. So I think when you look at the next generation, one of the things that is apparent is they do trust big tech. So I think something like 95% of the Gen Z group and 
plus percent of the millennials trust big tech. And, you know, big tech could actually be the biggest threat to our industry. Uh, if you look at how retail has been dominated by uh, Amazon and so forth. So, you know, the key things I think that next gen is looking for is easy access to information when they want it. Uh, they want the tools. They want to think of their uh, advisor as being technologically advanced. They want to have their personal data integrated in. They like innovation, video consumption, huge thing for, for that uh, next gen. And, and we see this as a huge, huge trend. You know, the numbers Cirilli puts out there is I think there's $84 trillion that's going to pass by 2045. Um, and one of the challenges that advisors will also have, I think, as that wealth passes is you go from serving maybe one, one client, husband, wife, gen one, if you will, when that money passes, it might pass to their two kids and their four grandkids. So you might go from having one client to having six clients. And so again, back to that scalability of communication and how do you engage those people now? I think it comes down to technology. And it seems like advisors should really capitalize on the fact that you know the younger generations especially seem to trust tech just because they're used to it. They've grown up with it. And so I feel like the forward-thinking advisors are know this and should capitalize on it. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think when you look forward to your business 10 years down the road, 10 plus years down the road, technology has to be a huge, huge piece of it. And it's easy, I think, in some cases not to think about it or to put it aside, but I think that's a real mistake unless you're planning to retire out in the next five years or something. Absolutely. So I do want to get to trend number four that was uncovered in your study. And it's one of my favorite yet very complex topics to unpack could probably be its own episode, but all around the disjointed tech stack, you know, while it's encouraging seeing so many firms ultimately adopt technology, it's, it's you know, we keep seeing the headlines around integration. It continues to be a pain point. So what's the impact and ultimately really on the client when technologies don't talk to each other easily? Yeah, well, I think it it becomes, you know, disjointed for the advisor and it becomes equally as disjointed for the for the client. Um, you know, we we saw one advisory practice that had 11 different client logins. You know, advisors today are in a lot of cases are asking clients to log into say Schwab for their custodial and tax information, maybe Adapar or another performance reporting system for, for that information, e-money for financial planning data, maybe share file for documents. And it's too much. Clients aren't, aren't doing it. So they're not, they're not engaging. And so that, that client experience is, is maybe declining as the number of technologies are coming into play. So we think the word you mentioned earlier, integration is the key, the key to doing uh, this successfully. You need to integrate those underlying technologies and give your clients a single gateway into accessing the information that they want to access and kind of when they want to access it. So, so the technology has been great. It's really enabled the advisor to move to this, you know, independent kind of practice, but, and the underlying, you know, specific technologies are great, but it has resulted in this disjointed experience. And I think 
as we look down the road and think out a few years, you've got to tie it all back together. Absolutely. So Rob, any other pieces of advice to share with firms or advisors struggling with any of these challenges around profitability, scalability, or communications? Yeah, well, I think, you know, it'd benefit a lot of advisory practices to kind of step back a little bit and do some strategic planning uh, and just think about what their tech stack should ultimately look like in the end and have that vision. So then you can work kind of backwards uh, to get towards that ultimate goal. Um, I think a key component of that is thinking about flexibility. So the innovation we have going on in wealth tech is, is great. And the advisor and the clients are ultimately going to be the beneficiary of that. But that also means that the best solution today may not be the best solution tomorrow. So I think as you're thinking about your practice, and the technology, you should also be thinking about what may happen down the road and what kind of flexibility do I want? So how can I swap out different pieces if there's a better rebalancing tool that comes along that's going to save me a lot of time? Can I swap that uh, into my tech stack? Uh, and then ultimately, how can you integrate these together? So that I think that's really, really the, the key theme. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate all the information and breaking down your recent study, but it is time for segment two of this episode, Ask Us Anything, where I've gone out to the social universe and asked them to submit questions they want answered by you, Rob. So let's check out who's dropped into the DMs this week. We did have a couple questions with the first one being, how is Evestec different from a portal? Yeah, so I, I really appreciate that question. You know, as I mentioned earlier, most portals are designed for clients to come in and seek some information. So there has to be some reason the client is looking for something. Whereas our centralized communication platform is really designed so that the advisor can push out uh, information to the client and that all that information is uh, available in one you know, easy to access uh, location. So the two-way communication, the push-pull, and then I think the multimedia. The video is a huge component of that, and it's the way that people want to consume data today. Um, and so I think that has to be a big part of it and one of the big differentiators versus, say, a, a traditional client portal. And speaking of differentiating, I stumbled across a picture on LinkedIn of the pink shirts that you're using at trade shows. I have to ask, what is the inspiration behind those? Because I love a good branding story. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks for noticing those. Our marketing guys uh, were happy to hear that. So, so that idea actually came, we have a board of advisors and Dave Quaddy is on that board. He's a retired CEO of a, um, of a company in Wisconsin. And he suggested to us uh, a book called The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. Not sure. Have you heard of that book, I have Shane? not. I have not. Okay. Great book. So my whole team read it. And one of the things Chet talks about is conferences and how you can create a, little, uh, a splash uh, at, a, at a conference. And given the fact that we're a young company, we don't have a large marketing budget, we need to be a little bit scrappy and a little bit thoughtful about like, how can we get attention without, you know, spending $30,000 for a booth and staffing it with six people. 
And so that's where the pink shirts came from is, you know, let's, let's get something that makes us stand out that we can tell people, Hey, you know, meet us at the lobby bar and look for the guys and gals in pink shirts and, and we'll be happy to, to buy you a drink. So, so that's where that comes from. It's a lot of fun and it's really taken off. And, you know, we hope, hope to see you at the uh, wealth stack conference with our, <laughs> with our pink shirts. Well, we'll tell folks to be on the lookout. Uh, and I can appreciate that because packing for conferences is a pain. So if I could just pack a couple polos, I know what I'm wearing. Gosh, that would be so much easier. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we did have one more question and it actually goes back to what we were talking about earlier around client segmentation. So just diving a little more into it, we did have somebody ask, how should advisors be considering client segmentation? What is the value? Yeah, well, I think there's a huge value there because again, back to Fidelity's benchmarking study, which pointed out that half of a advisor's typical advisor's book may not be profitable. The way you fix that is through client segmentation and then tying the client service model to those different segments. Make sure that those are those are attached correctly. And technology is the key. So you want to be touching all your clients more frequently than most advisors are. And the way you can do that is, is through technology. And you really can do it on a more personalized way too, if you start incorporating video into that. So I think there's a huge value. I think um, advisors should spend a fair amount of time thinking through this and how they can more effectively uh, deploy client segmentation in their client servicing model. Well, Rob, I appreciate you being put on the spot and your insightful answers, but We've come to our final and probably my favorite segment, Stack It or Whack It. And fun fact, I am working on t-shirts for this segment. So hopefully by Wellstack, I'll have those ready to go and you'll be receiving one for being a guest, but sidebar. <laughs> so I'm going to throw out a few technologies. They're not always Wealthtech related and you tell me if it's worth the hype or not. So essentially Stack It or Whack It. So the first one I had, you know, since we spoke a fair amount about communication and the various styles such as video, what are your thoughts on live streaming? Could it work in this industry or too many compliance concerns? Stack it or whack it? Uh, I'll whack it. I love the idea of live streaming, but I think recorded videos and podcasts are, are really the way to go. They're scalable. You can edit them. Compliance can review them. So whack it. Love it. All right. And the final one we have, um, virtual offices. Uh, it's a service that gives you uh, a business address, a place to receive mail, access to meeting rooms, and without essentially having to pay for a full-time office rental, it allows you to have that physical presence in any city without, again, the bloated costs of dealing with renting an office space. So virtual offices, stack it or whack it. I will say stack it, but I'll qualify that only for certain practices. So for our advisory practice, which is virtual, a virtual office is perfect, um, but a more traditional private wealth office um, practice really needs an office. Clients are coming in. It's still expected. So I think it just depends on your practice. For us, I would say stack it. I would have to agree. Rob, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you and learning more about Tech. So feel free to tell listeners where they can find out more about the firm. Of course. Uh, so anyone that uh, has any interest, please reach out to our chief revenue officer, Courtney Dean. She can be reached by email. It's just Courtney at evestech.com. 
And of course, feel free to visit our website. We have uh, an increasing uh, amount of information available out there, including we'll be putting out this study in the next day or so. Um, and that website is just evestech.com. And that's one T in Evestech. I was going to say, be sure to download uh, the, the four major post-pandemic trends because it is very, very interesting and in, in everything that should be top of mind for folks right now. And if you are looking to stay ahead of the technology status quo, don't miss our WealthStack event, part of Wealth Management Edge, May 21st through 24th in Hollywood, Florida. And be sure to follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for all the latest updates. And thank you for listening today. The wealth tech revolution is now. WealthStack provides bolder technology strategies and powers a new generation of growth-oriented advisors. Join us in Florida May 21st to the 24th and get 20% off now with our discount code WEALTH20. That's WEALTH20, W-E-A-L-T-H-2-0. And be sure to search WealthStack to find out more.